What's going on, guys? And welcome back to a brand new episode of the Let's Talk Fast podcast. I'm your host, Adam Martin, more commonly known as the No Breakfast Guy. And I hope you're doing what you love with the people that you love. And let's just jump straight into it. Well, for three weeks running, we now have another guest uh, involved, and I'm always excited to be talking to other people on the other line, so you guys don't just have to sit here and listen to me waffle away. But um, Aaron, I've known for quite some time. We're both exercise physiologists. Um, I think we crossed paths in a business mentorship that we did a while back, um, and maybe we'll uh, kind of cross on what uh, that kind of uh, bled into what you're doing these days and whatnot. But uh, Aaron, welcome to the show, and thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, Adam. It's a nice to chat to someone that when I say I'm an exercise physiologist, they know what I'm talking about. So that's <laughs> that's always good. I, I always like to um, obviously know with my audience because obviously I'm an exercise physiologist and I try and talk about it where I can. And so I'm hoping that most people listening on to this uh, podcast understand that. But let's let's start with that just for a quick uh, introduction on, I guess, exercise physiology, and then I guess what you do and your business does and things like that. Um, give us your uh, kind of elevator pitch on what uh, an exercise physiologist is. I got a couple, but the, the one of the quickest ones is, look, where we touch on similar things to physio, we touch on th- similar things to personal training. We're similar to a personal trainer with a medical background, and we cover from the medical side and therapy type exercise, as well as to the general and everything in between. That's probably one of mine that I t- touch on. And I think that works well with people that don't know much. And then I've obviously got a, a few that you know, I might speak to a doctor or speak to someone um, that ha- hopefully has some understanding of what, <laughs> what we do. But that's probably the most general one that works across the, across the board without, I think, downplaying the significance of what we actually do and the type of people that we help. That's a good point. And I, I, it's been, I mean... I don't know how long how long you've been in the industry for yourself. I graduated eighteen years as an exercise physiologist. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm. I think uh, I'm an OG when it comes yeah. to exercise <laughs> physiology. I guess. I think we're on almost exactly the same kind of timeline because I know I graduated from high school in 2000, and then I would have graduated from the masters in 2005, maybe. So. I think 2005 is kind of my starting point. So yeah, we're what 17 years there. So I go back 17 years from now and people are just like, what the hell is an exercise physiologist? At least I don't get that weird kind of, I have no idea look anymore. Mm. It's sometimes, but more, more commonly it's like, Oh yeah, I've heard of those kind of things. So it's, it's certainly come a long way and it's good to see that um, there's still plenty of us going around and doing, uh, doing our thing. Yeah. So it's good. Yeah. Always good, but yeah. 2000 graduate here as well. So. There you go. Um, so tell us a little bit about, I guess, your business. And I think it's going to bleed into what this um, topic um, that we're talking about today and how strength training can be so effective for not only the healthy population trying to get stronger, put on some lean muscle and all those kind of things, but where you and I have kind of used it in our um, own businesses and our lives as exercise physiologists is helping people prevent and recover from uh, injuries. But tell us a little bit, a uh, little bit about Fit Clinic, your, your business and kind of how that came about and where you may have started off and now where it is. Yeah, so uh, I own Fit Clinic, so we're an exercise physiology practice and gym. So I've kind of got the the gym access as well as the clinical side, and we sort of cover both uh, both ends of the spectrum. And for me, that was an important part of the uh, the business model that we didn't want just the clinic side and just the gym, and I wanted to sort of blend both the the um the models. Uh, so I've got Fit Clinic, which is the the, I guess, bricks and mortar uh, business. And we've gone into a bit of an offshoot, I guess, that started during the um, 
lockdowns and COVID, we've got uh, online um, online training there as well, and also Fit Clinic Strength Co, which is our equipment brand. Um, that we're just starting to develop some equipment just for in-house and see where see where that goes as well. So we've got sort of two three offshoots, but I think uh, most of what we're doing at the moment is the the main Fit Clinic brand, the bricks and mortar. Um, yeah, so I I guess I started that. Whew, I basically I got made redundant from a, a previous <laughs> its previous job, and at the time it was what. I don't know, I'm thinking now, how long ago was it? <laughs> I've been in this location for five, five years and then it was probably about three or four years before that. So I'd say eight or nine years um, in as fit clinic. Uh, I started off, I was like, oh, look, I can't, can't get a job. Um, I'm going to go make my own. So I basically just knocked on the door of a local uh, gym and went, look, do you have a room for me to rent? And that's where I started. So I ended up renting a room out of a commercial gym doing the um, the the programs, the rehab, the consults, all out of that. Um, and I use the the public gym space. So I guess I was a, you know, just renting a space and then built up enough clientele, uh, made enough connections, was helping enough people. Uh, and the intention was to also open our own space. Um, but when I started the, the Fit Clinic brand, uh, when it was just me in a room in a commercial gym, um, it actually was going to look a little bit different. So I was going down the, I had thoughts of the traditional path of, you know, you work in a clinic, clinic type environment, like most other allied health professionals. Um, but then what I found that when I was in the gym, I would find that a lot of people would go, oh, look, I'm looking for a personal trainer, but I've got my sore shoulder, or I'm looking for a personal trainer, but my back also hurts or something like that. And I was thinking, well, people are actually looking for personal training but need an exercise physiologist because they're looking for that added skill set, uh, I guess, um, but they just don't know what one is. So how about I offer, I guess, a general gym-type environment and access like we are a typical gym but built and run by all exercise physiologists? So we do the, do the training and then we, can, we have the option to transition them to different programs. So they might come in under rehab or for one reason but then they're like look i would like your general group training and i want to do that uh, as well and they transition to a more i guess traditional um studio type model so we oppose the all access no service type model because there's a bunch of those one on every corner basically um so we've gone well look let's have all access but we're not open 24 hours <laughs> a day <laughs> and i offer that model so you basically get trained by an exercise physiologist, both from a general sense, but then we've got all the, uh, all the specific programs, you know, NDIS, work cover, rehab type programs, as well as general training, but just from an exercise physiologist, anything from strength and conditioning and group training. And so we cover the whole spectrum in our own facility run by exercise physiologists. So I've kind of blended the, the, the general model with the clinical model and went, well, that's what people are asking for. And there's, a gym on every corner, but clearly more than half the population probably could, uh, could use an exercise physiologist help. So I'll try to, um, uh, offer a different option to the ones that are out there. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly, exactly the same model I went into when I started my business, um, back in 2006. Um, I just finished my thesis with a hospital and it was very clinical based within, um, that hospital scene. And I was working with returning, um, like returning from major car um, accidents, um, that was my main kind of clientele working in the the hospital at that point. But I was trying to work out, well, how do these people bridge the gap between 
okay, I've got all this in-house physio, OT, allied health, exercise physiologist in the hospital scene, but you're now going to put me in a gym and just say, hey, just go and talk to the local personal trainer. I just thought that just seems like a horrible model because these people need more specialized care. And so I built my business off the back end of that thesis because I had those uh, networks that have been put in place from um, running that thesis for over a year. And yeah, it blew up. I mean, instantly because exactly what you said in that there's gyms every, every second corner. I mean, less so back in 2006, but it was certainly on the rise. There was many gyms everywhere and there was never that specialty care. And yeah, I mean, I'm very lucky that I think I timed it well and I was coming into the industry at that kind of point where people were looking for a bit more than just a personal trainer. Um, And I can safely say that my business, I never had those kind of dark days because day one, my phone was ringing off the hook because I, I was very lucky in that, Bob, Susie, John, whoever it might have been, as I had heard about me moving into that space after I'd left the the hospital scene. And so I kind of wanted to bring this topic up from both of us, because as I said, I think we have very similar kind of business models and kind of how it, how it's uh, run over the years. But I, I hear always, and I think we'll talk about some myths as well um, today that are around strength training itself. But I always hear when I was coming into a, a consultation with someone I say, look, I've been sent here by my doctor or my physios referred me over. Or I've just come from a, a hip replacement, whatever it is. I'm super scared about strength training, but you know, you, I've been referred to you and you're telling me we're going to do strength training. I love using strength training as a modality to help people not only recover from injuries, but to help prevent injuries in the first place if we can get them before, obviously, the, the injury has occurred. How have you seen that kind of space for you, but also um, your clients kind of develop over the over the years that you've been working and how powerful kind of strength training can be. Yeah. I think people come in with a preconceived idea of what strength training is. And it's always the extreme version because they look at whatever's on TV and it's, I'm a female, I'm going to put on massive bulk muscle. And look, if it was easy to put on big muscles, I'd be a hell of a lot bigger than (laughs) than what I am now, I reckon after my years of training. Um, so females are, oh, look, I, I don't know if I want to lift weights or because they see this extreme version on TV or bodybuilders or thing like that. But you know, then you coach them and say, look, strength training is just strengthening whatever you need to do from a functional point of view or to help you go about your daily life and give you a bit of a you know, reach your goals, strength goals, picking up your kids, picking up your grandchildren, things like that. And I've even shied away from, at least for some people initially, using terms like we're going to deadlift, like we'll call it a hip hinge or things like that. Because even some of the names are very uh, sound confronting to, to use initially. <laughs> so I've really tried to downplay it to some people. So then uh, strength training is whatever it means to you. It doesn't have to be lifting big weights unless it wants to be. It doesn't have to be uh, you know, dumbbells, barbells, kettlebells, could be anything that provides an external weight that is important to you based on, I guess, um, your, your goals. And they come in and one of the first, there's a big rig that we have in our facility with, uh, with um, gymnastic rings hanging off it and things like that. So sometimes it can be intimidating walking in and we've tried to put it off to the side. So it's not the first thing that you see walking in deliberately, um, but they come in, oh, not sure what we're going to do. So it's about in that first consult, like, What do you want to achieve? What are you doing? Why are you here? And there's the myths around wear wear and tear. Um, You know, if they're young and an athlete and they're returning from an injury, 
look, I don't want to stunt my growth, or that's often the, the parent um, thing, things like that as well, that oh, I'm in pain, so I can't move, uh, and all of these types of things. And we've got to build a bit of confidence, and that's often where my programming comes in. It may not be, oh, look, I'm going to give you three sets of uh, 10 because of some random exercise because it's going to build up the the muscle uh, in that area straight away. Well, that's not normally my, um, my, my programming. That's might've been what they've been given prior to coming to me. Um, but look, what exercises do they want to do? What's going to build them confidence in the environment and what's going to build them some tolerance to some load and movement in a way that they feel comfortable and then have a chance to build rapport. And then once you build rapport and they start to trust you, you can obviously get a bit more, um, bit more in depth and a bit more creative so i i think sometimes the missing the person and the personal touch is uh what might be missing in um some i guess some, some practices i'm glad you i can't i'm glad you brought that point up and I, I hope that people obviously get some information from our um chat today but more so to be a bit more open about what they want because i see it so so often in that the trainer can sometimes dictate how the program's going. Whereas I always flip the switch and it's like, no, I'm here to provide the program that you want. Like what's your goals? What are you after? And so if someone's listening to this podcast today and that, you know, they're looking at maybe going, whether it's a personal trainer or whether they're looking at going to exercise physiologist, going into that setting and going, okay, what are my goals? What do I want to achieve out of that? And I, I use that, I guess, with regards to how my clientele kind of built up over the years in that I hope this doesn't come across terribly how I'm going to say it but you know as a young trainer and a lot of personal trainers you want to kind of have the athletes the the attractive girls because it looks nice on the gym floor because look at the look at the clientele I've got you know they're super fit they're super active and that's where in my head I don't know if you were the same as me but that was where I was kind of very early on in my days I'm going to train all these athletic people and that's where it was going to be but I soon found out that one they have no money and they're not a good part of the business kind of model because they're just obviously younger and they don't have that kind of disposable income from a business sense. I'm talking on that sense, but I very quickly found that I've got a very good rapport with elderly people. I love working with the elderly because what you've just said before in that saying, you know, what's your goal? I see far too many people. I hope I'm not um, ticking people off again by saying, if you're in your sixties, you're kind of starting to get into your elderly. Maybe you think otherwise, but like 60 and onwards, I saw far too many people that were just, not able to move about. And when you start talking to people and have that kind of open dialogue and you say, you know, what would you like to do more of in life? And the response that was coming back more and more from those kind of clientele was, I just love to be able to play with my grandkids. Like, I feel like I can't get up and move about. I'd love to be able to walk down to the shops and get my, my shopping rather than having to rely on my daughter or my son to come around and drive me to the, the shops. And those kind of conversations were coming up more and more. And I was like, one, it was a far more rewarding thing for me to help someone be mobile with their grandkids or go down rather than just get a bigger booty shot or bigger chest and triceps or whatever it might have been. But it was just a far more business model sense, but also a fulfilling thing for me to kind of work with a clientele that had, for me anyway, goals that actually meant something so much more than just the kind of aesthetics. And so, I mean, I don't know, again, what kind of clientele you tend to work with if it's abroad or you're trying to pigeonhole yourself into a particular um, subset, but um, I certainly found that. And again, the whole point of saying all that was just like, what are your goals? Let's work towards those goals and let me then 
as an exercise physiologist help facilitate that to you know fit your goals yeah 100 percent uh so when I started, I didn't really know what sort of what my first niche was that I wanted at Fit Clinic, but it ended up just developing into the the same kind of people. I'm like, okay, well, this is obviously what I'm offering suits those type of people. Like we've got the uh, the side programs, which are like NDIS work covering, you know, that can be quite broad with what we're seeing them. But if we're looking at our private side of things that people are choosing to pay and come to our group training or needing some sort of one-on-one service, whatever it may be. And it's like a private sense. Most of them are that sort of, for us, not the quite elderly, we've got, you know, a bunch in every category, but the the majority of people are sort of that the 35 to 55 sort of uh, category. And they've got young kids or, you know, teenage kids or things like that. And a lot of their goals are around, you know, reducing their pain, they're working in office, things like that. Uh, predominantly we see female here. Um, it's, I think, only just by default that most of the people that seek out our service are female. We're probably at 60-40 um, at the moment, female to male, so it's not too different. Uh, but I think it's just the type of people that seek out our service and what we're offering. So we're offering, for those private clients, one of the models is um, general training by an exercise physiologist where they can come and do their group training, do their one-on-one, have open gym, things like that but it's supervised by an exercise physiologist. So the people that are going, look, I want that level of service from, I guess, a medical professional are they're sort of middle-aged. And I say that because I'm also one. And when you said you graduate, <laughs> I'm like, I'm pretty sure we're the same age. Yep. <laughs> and I'm seeing people that are hey, younger than me. And in my mind, I'm pretty young and I forget. And I'm like, well, I, I just assume everyone's older than me. <laughs> and um, But but also then I've got to remember, oh, obviously mentally I feel quite young but physically maybe the face tells a different story with uh, you know three kids but even my goals have changed as well as I've gotten older I'm like I love just my kids thinking I'm the strongest person in the world like they haven't seen obviously <laughs> haven't exposed them to a lot of other really strong people um or they haven't seen you know Thor or whatever on YouTube yet so so they realize like they think their dad's the strongest and I love just being able to like they go up the at the playground and I do some chin-ups with them or I climb up the the stairs or whatever the jungle rope is uh, with them. Or I, I've got twins and an uh, older child. So I've got two four-year-olds and a seven-year-old. And I love just picking up both four-year-olds and, you know, throwing over my shoulder or that and seven-year-old jumps on the back. So I love just being able to do, do that. But I think I also connect with those parents as well that are probably a similar age to me want to be able to run after their kids maybe they've had a few niggles in the past so they don't sort of fit the all access no service type model because that's great for a certain type of self-motivated people but if that's not them and they need some flexibility and in, in their programming or in their attendance and they need someone to make them keep them accountable every now and again then you know we're the service for that so I think I connect with those people that I guess are similar to myself because I guess if you're a 20 year old trainer without any kids and you have the whole day david goggins like no excuses just do what you want the 40 year old with two kids are gonna go like get stuffed i have excuses <laughs> but it's my job to obviously go well yes you have reasons why you haven't been able to achieve these things let's work flexibly around that so you can still achieve it despite your lifestyle or despite your family situation or whatever and i i enjoy that because I didn't really want to be the 20 year old, no excuses, just do what everyone has 24 hours in the, yeah. in the day. 
yeah, but you know, it's all well and good until your your kid spews in the bed of five years before you're about to leave. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I like working with those people and it's I'll find it easier because that's me. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, to kind of, I guess, come back to, I guess, what the topic of today's podcast is, is that there's so much, and you kind of brought it up before, there's a lot of fear that can come around in quote strength training, I guess, because of maybe a misunderstanding of exact, as you, as you said, what strength training is, because people do see that extreme, whether it's extreme on TV or social media or whatever it might be. But for Susie, who's sitting at home at the moment, she's got this back that's been giving her grief her whole life. She comes in, sits down and goes, all right, Aaron, I've been told to come to you, my physio, my job, my doctor, whoever it might've been referred, or maybe a friend said that maybe they can help you out. They're hearing this at home and they go, look, I've got this bad back bad ankle, bad knee, whatever that kind of issue might be. How is an exercise physiologist going to help them and how is strength training going to play a role uh, in that? Yeah, so the the strength training plays a role, but I also like to look at the broader sense and go, well, what are you doing for the 24 hours of the day? Um, there are some common features that are fine when people's back pain starts to increase and it's not everybody, but it's a, a decent portion of people that I see is, uh, often their day-to-day uh, -day incidental activity might have gone down and they're being stationary in too many ways, whether it's standing a lot at their job, whether it's sitting a lot. I don't think that one posture is necessarily better than the other, but it's a case of being static for too long in too many posture or one posture repeated over time. And that has been an issue for a lot of people, especially during lockdowns, things like that. They'd lost the going up and down the stairs at the train station, walking around at lunchtime, things like that. Everything, kitchen, bathroom, office was all, was in, you know, three metres apart or whatever it may have been. So they just went from one to the other and they lost a lot of incidental activity. So part of my prescription is, well, what are you doing outside of this? Because, you know, exercising for half an hour a day or whatever they're starting with, half an hour, an hour, like I normally don't start with an hour on day one. They might, if they've done nothing, it might just be, well, let's just do more regularly than what you're doing. And it could be in the gym here, look at what they've got access to because not everybody wants to use our facility as a tool outside of their one-on-one -on -one session. So what have they got access to? What's their family situation like? What are they doing the other 23 hours of the day other than the time that they're here? Um, are they sleeping enough? Uh, are they... Do they have enough incidental activity in their day? Because I do find that that's a major factor as well. It just encouraging them. So I'm like, look, my initial prescription is not specific, but you need to move more in as many broad ways as possible, different to what you're doing because you're static for too much of the day too often. So you need to find regular opportunities to, to move more and move in ways that you're not currently doing and doing regularly. And I do find that helps a lot, but that's outside of the general prescription and then the general prescription is like what do you like to do what are you comfortable with um, and to educate them on like what movements might be good for them for their back pain focus on how can you move in as many ways as possible can you build to some rotation can you build to some flexion or extension can you build to being stationary under load meaning like you know whether it be bench press um you know, rows or squats or just something general, like because their their core or their back is stationary. So I don't always go with just your back pain. Okay, let's build up the core because 
that's not necessarily the solution for a lot of a lot of people. It might just be they're not they're not moving enough under enough load uh, over time. So they might have a specific prescription which includes maybe some core strength because they tell you they want to build that up. And if they're saying they want to build that up, then I'm not going to discount it at all. But it's part of a larger goal of look, let's work all other parts surrounding it as well: the hips, the legs squatting down reaching up push pull so i try to focus on some of the specific stuff that's going to help them and build up a bit of tolerance uh, to load over time so start from low load to high load maybe start from a smaller range of motion with the intention of working to a larger range of motion and starting with a step that's just ahead of where they are at the moment instead of going look you need to exercise four times a week for 60 minutes and you need to walk, you know, you need to do 10,000 steps. If they're at 2,000, they're not going to do 10,000 on day one. You go, you know what? How about the next week? Let's just focus on three or 4,000. Are there ways that you could do that? Okay, well, let's get that. Are there exercises that you could do? Start with, you know, less exercises, more consistent. So I think consistency is probably the biggest factor for a lot of people. And I find gets a lot of the, the best results is yeah, consistency over a one specific exercise. Yeah, so, I think, again, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. I, I think far too many people look to kind of the silver bullet in there. There's this one thing that is the issue that has caused all my issues in life. And I love that you went straight to, even though I asked the question, what's some good strength training kind of protocols? You've gone 180 on that and gone, hang on. We've got 30 or 45 minutes or an hour that you might be in the gym, maybe three or four days a week. But what happens to those, you know, there's 168 hours in the week. You're doing maybe, let's say, three to six at most of those hours are going to be you know, in some sort of formal exercise. What's going on with the other 160 hours uh, in that week? And I think that's a big thing that you know, people don't have to even come and see a professional for. Like as they're hearing this now, write out your, you know, your things that you're doing in the week and you might start to see that, oh, my God, I'm sitting down. 14 hours out of my 24 hours every single day and jesus maybe i should get up a bit more because as you said you know life has changed over the last couple of years and a lot of people are sitting down and i i found that working in an office environment because there was so much i guess issues around sitting down all the time everyone got stand-up desks and all i found then was people then had mid thoracic issues rather than lower back issues and so now it's been flipped on its head again everyone's sitting at home in probably less than ideal conditions because it might be on their bed or they're on a couch with a laptop because they're trying to take care of kids and like all of these things that are real issues that people have to worry about with working from home. But again, that lower back starts coming in and whatever it might be, but yeah, looking at your life as a whole, what's going on in the majority of your life, I think is a really good uh, starting point um, to go from. And then once you kind of tick those off and, you know, start to make some changes in those that maybe that back pain goes away without even any intervention and then you can start going well i feel better i move better now i feel more confident to do that strength training program that i was so worried about before because i had all this pain then you start implementing those kinds of things but yeah i think it's a really good point that you, you made to kind of have that starting point of just looking at the rest of your life and kind of going through that yeah, it's not, it's not to say that I don't actually provide some specific strengthening of exercises <laughs> in the first session, but I do like to look at it, I guess, holistically. Um, because yeah, if people look online for the cause of their pain, you mentioned it before that people are looking for the silver bullet. If you look on social media, 
you'll find a lot of people that will try to give you this silver bullet because it's what sells, yep. <laughs> I guess. Um, there is more than one solution, but obviously not every solution works for every person. So you're finding the solution that works uh, works for them. So we do try to start with adding some strength training, whether it's using bands, which I say tentatively because I don't like to use bands for too long because um, it's not enough load, basically. Yeah, Often they're, they're used to loading. I think that's where a lot of people stop when they go through rehab. They use bands and they do things, but then they don't actually get enough load to actually get progress. So they go, look, I want to get myself back to where I was before, but where you were before led you down the path of getting to this position. So let's try to get you not just to like break even or back to normal. Let's try to lead you into a higher performance. And I, but then I really like using kettlebells, barbells, dumbbells, and the enjoyment that I get from seeing that person that was like, Oh, that looks a bit too, too, uh, too intense. I don't really want to lift a barbell. And then you build up the confidence and then they're deadlifting, they're back squatting, they're doing all these things with a barbell. And then they realize actually this whole strength training caper is pretty, uh, pretty good and is not what I thought. And everybody around me is actually like me. You don't have to be fit, super healthy to go to the gym because that's the point of going to the gym. And again, a lot of people have this preconceived idea about, look, I need to get fit before I go to the gym or go, go do some exercise or no, you just need to have it scaled to yourself. But if that's what people believe, that's what you obviously have to work with and try to, I don't like to strike off their ideas immediately because if they've held on to that idea for 10 or 20 years, if they, you, they come in and be like, well, that's wrong. Um, then they're going to go, oh, no, and you're going to lose rapport and they're not going to trust you. So you go, look, I understand why you're feeling that way. And I can see that's the advice that you're given. Um, we know this to be like, that may not necessarily be true because this is now the case, but you know, that was said a little while ago under these circumstances or something to that effect. So you kind of meet them where they're at and then you build them to where they need to be. But I think it's important to, to meet them where they're at first. And that's why I like to explain what an exercise physiologist is using the personal trainer example, because meet them where they're at. They, everybody knows what a personal trainer is or what they think a personal trainer is and then add on top. Um, and yeah, that's sort of helped me is meet them where they're at and then try to build their confidence. And I love working with, um, working with people that never looked at a barbell before and then they love it <laughs> and seeing the change is massive. And I guess on that point though, I, what's some of the more common, I guess, myths and misconceptions, um, around maybe particular injuries but also um, strength training as a, as a general. I know you obviously touched on it before that, you know, people are going to think that, oh, if I touch a weight, I'm just doing explode into a massive muscle. You know, that's a common misconception. As And rightly, as you said, I wish it was that easy because my 15 years in the gym would have me sitting in a very different shape than I am currently now. But what are some of the other kind of, I guess, misconceptions and myths around strength training as itself. And then we might start touching on, you know, back pain and some myths around that and things like that, but particularly around strength training, what are some of the myths that you hear commonly when you're sitting down and having that consultation or just here in general conversations? Yeah, well, the first one is I don't want to get bulky. That's one of the big ones. And obviously we've touched on that before getting bulky or highly muscular. is a very deliberate act over a very long period of time. It's not ever done by accident. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That, that I was actually speaking to a group of 12 to 14 year old um, netballers earlier today, about two hours before this call. And 
the same thing came up from their parents because I was talking to them about strength training. Um, and it might be something to do with not getting kids or teens or things early enough into the, the health side of things or doing strength training when they want to is, oh, it's going to stunt my growth or it's going to be bad for my joints. Um, I liken the it's going to stunt your growth to look, you obviously see elite weightlifters are often short, but that's like saying playing basketball makes you tall. It's just that the elite level, having really small limbs when you're trying to throw a weight over your head and being quite short is an advantage doing that. So a lot of the, the people at the elite level that you would see on TV or really good at it are short. Like a lot of the bar- basketballers, their average height is I don't even know what it is, like six, seven, six, eight. It'd have to be at least. <laughs> it's certainly not yeah. me, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, so um, so that's probably one of the myths why people don't maybe get in too, su- too soon, but there's more risk in contact sport than there is in lifting weights as a junior. I look at, well, are they safe in the environment? Can they take instruction? Um, and they're two big boxes to tick. Okay, they want to do it, it's safe, and they can take instruction and you know, do it and then yeah sure they're probably old enough if that's the case because if they're jumping out of a tree or they're jumping around they're going to put more load on their body than they they would in a gym there's a whole lot less um injuries happen in a controlled gym environment and supervised gym environment oh it's going to stunt my growth it's going to have an effect on the growth plates there's more injuries playing soccer to the growth plates than i don't think there was any um identified uh, in the research around growth plate injuries with lifting weights. Um, with regards to kids and strength training, again, I'm, I'm fully on board with getting kids into the gym as early as you can. And I, the youngest athlete I did work with was a tennis player who was nine years of age. And her, her parents were, she needs to be Australia's next best tennis player. So whatever you can do. So it was the kind of complete opposite. They were like, I don't care what you do with her she needs to be the best tennis player in the country kind of thing. And I'm like, I love that I've got free reign kind of thing here to just kind of train her. However, you know, my mind kind of can come up with, but I guess talking about kids and strength training, do you have a kind of limit on they shouldn't start at this age or that age, or the, I guess the safety concerns that some parents mm-hmm. would have. And I'm completely with you in that, you know, as long as it's in a supervised and um, a controlled environment, in that supervised and controlled environment, do you have any kind of, I guess, things that you kind of, no, we, we shouldn't do it below this age or, you know, this particular kind of demographic. Like what, what about kids? Um, do you kind of normally? No, uh, just the things I said there said before, uh, is it, are they safe in the environment and can they take instruction appropriately and are they listening and do they want to do it? Are they enjoying what you're giving them? Because you obviously want it to be a lifestyle thing and a long-term thing. Uh, and is it basically fit for purpose for um for them? Like, why are you why are you doing this? I don't actually have a minimum age limit, but I think we don't see too many pediatrics, and we don't go down that path too much here. Um, but yeah, the youngest that we see is sort of seven and nine. Um, around that, we do some sort of physical exercise, strength training, things like that. We can see younger, but yeah, as far as pure strengthening, yeah, I think um the youngest is like nine year old. Um, that we look at, or there's even some younger ones that we're looking at the NDIS because they've got specific um, disabilities that they require strength training. So it's really no different to that beer, yeah, like seven and seven or nine, I think are the youngest that we work with. But as long as they can take instruction and they're supervised and yeah, they're safe. 
the, the kind of comment I always like using about strength training itself is that I use it in a financial sense in that, you know, the best time to start saving was 20 years ago because, you know, you get the compound effect over time of interest, kind of interest on interest on interest. But if you didn't start saving 20 years ago, it's not like you go, well, there's no point in even starting now. The next best time is to start now. And I like using that as an analogy with regards to strength training because I think obviously we've gone the extreme of, you know, we're talking about teenagers starting. Great. I think it's fantastic. I think, you know, kids should be looking at some sort of strength training. But let's just say there's Susie who's sitting at home now and she's sitting there going, look, great. It would have been good if I was 20 years of age and I started, but I'm now 65 years of age. Is it too late? I think that's a, a common concern that kind of comes up again. It's like, eh, I'm already 65. What's the point to you to kind of pose that question to you? And I already know what the answer is going to be, but to kind of <laughs> to say on here, like what if people are concerned about that, there's like, I'm too old. What's the point? There's no point now. What would you kind of say to that to kind of flip it the other way? Yeah, I think I went a bit off tan tangent with the last one. I think we spoke about a lot of our clients and then I went went off to the left, I think. Um, well, what do you want to achieve? Like, what can't you do that you want to be able to, to do more of and bring it back to their functional goals? Oh, yeah, look, I want to get down to the floor to play with my kids or my grandkids or things like that. Well, you're not too old because strength training is for everybody. Um, like, a, it's just relative and it's, uh, I guess, age appropriate or person specific. Like with the young kids, I'm probably not just going to whack out a 20 kilo barbell. You're going to use some sort of play-based strength training perhaps rather than structured, you know, four sets of six or whatever protocol you want to use. It's not going to be the same as an adult. It's maybe going to be more play-based. It might be that just in reverse for older, older adults. Like what do you want to achieve? It doesn't have to be, a barbell or a dumbbell it could just be you know whatever it is to you that's going to provide some benefit what are your goals oh, i don't really have any i just but my knees hurt why why do they hurt oh, i really don't get up out of my chair too, too too often um or i want to be able to get down to the floor play with my grandkids or i want to be able to run after them or things like that okay well then you might need some strength training uh to help it might just be starting with some body weight, building up a bit of tolerance, going to the park, going for a walk, using stairs. So it doesn't have to be structured physical activity using a barbell or a dumbbell. It could just be something a lot simpler. A, a comment that I've always stuck with me is that the number one reason why people move into an assisted care living kind of situation is their, their inability to be able to get up out of bed on their own or stand up from the toilet on their own. And if you look at that as a basic movement, it's just a squat in yeah. essence. And so a hundred percent to your point in that it doesn't have to be with a barbell, a kettlebell or some sort of gym based equipment, your ability just to be able to sit down into a dining room chair or your favorite couch that where your TV is or your bed or your toilet or whatever that situation may be is just a basic squat. And so it might be that you're sitting in front of the TV you're 67 years of age, instead of sitting there for the whole hour, maybe the ad break comes on, you stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, or before you get into bed or as you rise in the morning, getting from your bed, standing up, sitting down, getting some repetition um, going in from there and kind of keeping that mobility and ability to kind of do that simple movement, which is a squat, just longer and longer into your life will, I guess, prevent, not prevent, maybe prolong 
the um, timeline to when you need to move into assisted care living. And I know this is a morbid thing to say, but palliative care or assisted care living has a 100% mortality rate. No one comes out of those. That's the end stage. It's, and I know that's probably a, a weird thing to say, but it is, it's true. And so if we can keep you away from that situation as long as possible, then we're going to keep you away from death as long as possible. And I don't want those last five years, 10 years, 15 years of someone's life being miserable because they can't get up and they've got to be assisted in everything that they do. I want you to be able to play with your kids. I want you to be able to play with your grandkids, your great grandkids, or be able to take care of yourself in whatever kind of capacity that might be. And so, you know, to kind of bring it back to that conversation we're having around, if you're 65 years of age, it's too late. Now there's probably, you know, how, how people are living these days, you know, you might be still living to age of 95. So that's 30 years. Like, how do you want those last 30 years to go? Do you want them to be being up and about and taking care of yourself, playing with the kids? Then let's start doing some simple movements and progress from there. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I'm technically middle-aged now. <laughs> now, like I'm right in what was meant to be middle. I'm like, oh, I don't feel like I should be middle right now. So I like, even for myself, I'm like, look, I really want to prolong this because like, geez, like 65 doesn't seem so far away when I was, you know, 25 years ago. 25 years ahead seemed like a lot going, you know, 15 to 40. And then you go on 40 to 65. Oh, wait, 15 to 40, does that work out? Does that maths work out? Um, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, yeah 25. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I, got, I got it. I was like, oh, shit, did I just say out loud that I got my maths wrong? Um, yeah, so like, oh, it doesn't seem so far far away uh, at the moment. So, you know, hell, I want to be keep doing, keep doing that for as long as I can. And it comes back to, I think, some of the myths that I was going to talk about as well oh, i i can't squat i've been told i can't ever squat and then you just watch them sit down in a chair and like well you just did but you know they haven't thought about it like that way there might have been people in their past or well-meaning people that have given them too many barriers like when we're not reaching the base level of minimum exercise for lifestyle health and all of these things we're we're not reaching the australian daily targets or whatever it's called so people are putting too many barriers in. Oh, you get to a certain age, you shouldn't do this arbitrary exercise. Oh, I've been told I've got knee pain, so therefore I shouldn't squat. They've just sat down in a chair. Well, you just did, but they just need to be encouraged. So look, that's probably helpful. It's not wear and tear. You had an injury at the time, but it doesn't mean it's there forever. It just means that it was a period in time, use tools to then overcome it. And then once you overcome it, build from wherever you are into the future to try to you know, minimize the chance of that happening again. And if it does happen again, still continue to live your life, just starting with lower loads, lower range, lower, lower capacity, and then build up over time because it's not wear and tear. The body's, body's regenerative. regenerative. <laughs> um, I think that's what people forget. Like, yeah, we do age and some of these things and occasional disc bulge, which may or may not be with, pain like is normal and i almost liken it to it's just like wrinkles like all of these things are normal age and load related changes that happen over time they're not good or bad they're just are as you age just like wrinkles but you can still do a lot of things within your capacity and then build your capacity out regardless where you start what age you start it's just got to be appropriate for what your goals are and what your level of comfort is and even if that's not where I end them, that might be, we might go into heavy barbell work, heavy dumbbell work, if they really want to develop in that. But I don't necessarily start them there. 
and go there only if they really want to. I always like people when they're listening to this podcast to walk away with some sort of nugget that they can action on tomorrow. And so if we kind of take a, you know, I know the analytics of the back end of my podcast and kind of who's listening. And so I'll just take a global. So there's obviously going to be the outliers that this might not apply to, but let's go for the majority of there are 35 to 65 year old human being that has general soreness and niggles that, you know, as you said, I've always had sore knees. I've always had a bad back, those kind of general kind of things before having to maybe seek out a professional, someone that they can take action tomorrow and start doing something that will help them potentially reduce pain, but help them move better, help them feel a bit stronger and get them moving. What are, let's say the top three things that you would suggest that that person starts doing more of tomorrow? I think just understanding that pain doesn't equal damage or pain is not necessarily a problem. You can still move and live with pain and then it may naturally go away or it may need some other intervention, but pain isn't bad or pain doesn't mean damage. Just understanding that that's the case. Sometimes it does if you've had some specific trauma, but in many cases it's not. So the main thing is just give you a, um, have a bit of review of your stationary time. Like, I think that's probably the biggest thing that's probably going to get the bang for your buck for a lot of people is like they're sitting down for eight to 10 hours, whether they are driving to and from an office, maybe an hour each way. And maybe in Perth, it's different, but in New South Wales, it's at least an hour. So um, yeah, an hour each way, they sit down for eight hours plus, uh, then they're mentally fried from, you know, from a, watching a computer screen all day. So I want to sit down and veg out. And then I want to um, watch a bit of TV well, I've sat down for the entire time in different capacities and then I've gone to sleep, so I'm stationary again. So moving more, have a look at what you're doing and just moving more in as many broad ways as possible, as often as possible would probably be my biggest tip. And that is going to have a big impact for a lot of people. It may not help everybody, but it's going to help a, a majority of people. Increase your incidental activity and don't um if you do incidental activity don't necessarily count that at exercise try to do the exercise on top don't replace it um yeah so they're probably some of the biggest things um and seek out if that doesn't sit with you seek out some additional help of somebody that you think can help you because it's an investment in your own health i don't think you can invest too much in uh, your own health so looking at like am i going to get an education to be able to take away and be accountable like there are a lot of different programs as an all access, no service model with 24 hour seven gyms that works for some people, but you know what, maybe it's worth paying more to go to somewhere local that I seek professional help. And they basically give me a kick up the arse and a reminder until I maybe don't need it myself. So invest in your health, invest in seeking out professionals because a trial and error is probably more expensive and takes longer. <laughs> um, so uh, seek out professional help if you feel that you need it, but bang for your buck, start tomorrow, have a review of your incidental activity, and then really try to pick it up from wherever you are and move in as many broad ways as possible. If you go for a walk regularly, we'll try to bend your legs a bit more by going up deeper stairs or something like that within your tolerance level. Because when you're walking, like, your knees and ankles and everything don't move in a large range of motion. So just try to walk up and down some stairs, make sure you're reaching forward, back, overhead, because you probably don't do that enough, reaching up overhead at all. Like when's the last time you, if you didn't do strength training, when's the last time you regularly re reached overhead, maybe playing with your kids, throwing them up or getting a dish out of the um, dish out of the top cupboard. But we don't do that too much. Everything's forward and in front of us. And that's really 
how our life is designed. Our life is designed to be sort of from from hip height to to chest height and right in front of us. So think about, okay, what do I need to do? What actions am I missing during the day? Try to do a little bit more of those within your tolerance level and consistency outranks the type and the amount that you're doing. So don't start day one, just going gung ho, just going, look, what's the lowest hanging fruit? What's the one thing that I can tick off? Well, I can probably add a thousand steps to my day. That's probably the easiest. Start with that and build up. Other next next lowest hanging fruit, get some early wins on the board and then build up from there. And then you can seek um, professional help if you need it. But if not, great. I think I'm really glad you led with pain isn't always equaling damage. And I think people vastly underestimate the human body and its ability to regenerate and heal um, itself. Uh, you know, even with zero intervention, the body will heal itself, maybe not in the most ideal way, but it will still heal itself. And so um, understanding, as you said, that there may have been an injury where, you know, as you said, you in quote, bulged a disc at work when you were lifting something too heavy and there might've been an incident or whatever that might've been, but that pain you're now feeling 10 years later, that injury itself is more than likely has, has gone away and there's been limiting, I guess, or a barrier to your ability to move forward from that, that may have held you in that kind of pain state for much longer than maybe necessary, but kind of understanding that pain isn't always um, something that you need to steer clear from or that you can't do anything just because there's some pain there. And, and that's a really good point to bring up. And then moving into, um, you know, something we've spoken about a number of times today is just moving more, doing, doing more. And as you said, it doesn't have to be 10,000 steps if you're currently doing 2,000 steps, but just something more than you were doing yesterday and consistently putting um, some runs on the board there that's uh, moving you forward. I think that's a really good starting point for people tomorrow to take action and have that little nugget that they can move forward with. Yeah, I think whatever you like to do, do that first. Exercise, strength training, like I know we're talking about strength training specifically, but in exercise, what's the best exercise? I get that a lot. Or the one that you like to do and you're going to do consistently, that's probably going to be the best exercise. So it doesn't need to be the silver bullet looking on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, wherever you wherever you um, get your information, because all you see is the highlights and you see the fancy, exciting stuff. But just start with a bit of a process, a bit of consistency in whatever things you would enjoy most and do it consistently over time. And you're going to, I guess, make inroads that way. Well, mate, I really appreciate uh, catching up with you again today and um, good to see that you're doing well and business is doing well and I appreciate your insights and uh, sharing some of your knowledge there uh, with, the, with the podcast today. Where can people, if they're kind of in your neighbourhood, where can they find you and tell us a little bit about where they can kind of find you on the socials and websites and things like that? Yeah, I think the easiest way is probably over the socials, uh, Fit Clinic. So we're based in Southwest Sydney is our main uh, main location. We are online as well. So if you want to uh, catch us, hello, hello at fitclinic.com.au. That's for the, that's email for the um, our physical location. But if you want to catch me on the socials, best thing is Fit Clinic AU is on either Facebook or Instagram. And uh, mainly we're not on TikTok. I think I'm too old for that one. <laughs> Maybe uh, too, too, many, uh, too many socials to look at. Uh, I don't know. Are you on TikTok? Absolutely. Okay. Well, maybe it's, I'm maybe it's, I'm um, too old. It's already it's already aged up. It's um I'm I'm seeing more forty to fifty year olds um on TikTok um these days and yeah I have to put my hand up and say yep I'm a forty year old this year as well so um so it's it's been it's been an interesting thing I, I do more consuming on there than I am posting 
on there at the moment, but it's it's been an interesting space to watch, to be honest. Um, and I think there's some really creative ways that people are using. And and I I got rid of um, all of my social media a little while back. Now I've, I just got sick and tired of how social media was going, and so I don't spend a lot of time, if any time, in uh, Instagram, Facebook, or anything like that um, these days. Um, but TikTok, something I've, I've been really interested in just because I think it's a much more creative space and I really like the creativity that people are coming with. Um, so yeah, it's something, I mean, yeah, that's a, a, a topic off, off shoot from there, but I'll absolutely yeah. put all of your details, uh, in the show notes below. So people need to reach out to you or want to reach out to you. Um, yeah, check in the show notes, um, from there, but I, again, mate, I really appreciate your um, time today. It's been great. Yeah, no worries. So I'll just pop in my personal profiles as well. So if you want to catch me directly instead, uh, otherwise you can also catch uh, catch the different Fit Clinic brands, um, but either one. So you can pop those in the show notes and we can go from there. Absolutely. Well, um, I always like to have my guests right at the end, uh, do my quick fire five. So if you don't mind indulging me with your answers uh, to the quick sure. fire five. Sure, sure. <laughs> Alrighty. All, all right. right. Just not sure it's coming, but all right. Excellent. Um, first uh, response that comes to mind, uh, beach or snow? Snow. Future or past? Future. I always like just going as a caveat. What would be the future you'd go to if you could uh, snap your fingers and see it now? Is there something you'd you know like what, to Jay, see? Jay, just my kids to be ha- happy, healthy, and be better than me, basically. Right. Good answer. Um, don't have to worry about nutritional value or anything like that, but you only get to have one food for the rest of your life. What is it? Does it have a, an effect on my body? No. Burgers. Burgers. Excellent. Um, family, friend, famous, dead or alive, who would you like to have dinner with tonight? Albert Einstein. Good answer. Um, and I want you to get super uh, selfish on this. You've already said goodbye to the family and you've just been told that uh, you've got 24 hours to um, finish up your life. What do you do in those final 24 hours that's just for you? I just, you know, I reckon I just tell them I love them and spend time with them. Whatever they want to do, I don't like they're going to have the memory. You've done forward. that. You've done that. You've said oh. goodbye. I need you now to get super selfish. What are you doing for your 24 hours? Just for you. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. You've hit me with a hard one there. <laughs> oh, that's heavy. I don't know. I was like, I just want to, I would probably want to just spend it with my, my kids and my family. So I know it's for me, but can I just say, look, that is my answer to, I'll, I'll let you have it. I'll let you have it. I'll see if I can tease it out of you another time. <laughs> but um, mate, I, again, I really appreciate your, uh, as I said, your openness and your sharing of knowledge and uh, everything you're doing. It's good to see you're doing well and the business is doing well. And um, again, if anyone uh, listening in is uh, in that uh, West Sydney area, um, definitely reach out to you and uh, hopefully uh, someone can come through. But if nothing else, I hope uh, people have uh, learned something from us today that can help them recover from injuries, maybe prevent some injuries, and that um, they may be thinking of strength training as a potential modality rather than this big, scary beast that um, it can sometimes come across as. Yeah, absolutely. So it can be done. See an exercise physiologist. If not, hit up Adam or hit up me online. Absolutely. Well, mate, uh, thanks again, everyone. Uh, Appreciate you listening in. That's been another episode of Let's Talk Fast podcast. I love you all. Talk to you next week. Bye.